Welcome in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O oh my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. It is the afternoon of Wednesday, hump day, on Guadalupe Radio Network, so it must be the David L. Gray Show. Today is March 17th, 2021, the fourth week of Lent, and the Feast of St. Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland. And I am David O'Gray, and I'm excited that you are tuning in for the next hour of the show. In about 10 minutes, Miss Janique Stort will be in the studio answering your questions about how we should approach the subject of chastity and modesty in this unchaste and pornographic anti-culture. I apologize. I'm not wearing any green today. You know, I looked in my closet. I honestly did. And I, I didn't. There's nothing green in there. Nothing. Not even a pair of socks. Not even a tie. I don't own. <laughs> I think back in maybe the 90s, you know, during where everyone was wearing these bright colors, cross colors, whatever. I think I had some green, but that was that was probably the last time. So it's been over well over 25 plus years since I've had any green in my closet. So in lieu of that, I was going to, um, you know, in, in the show, I was going to speak in my ink, my Irish accent the whole show, but um, I didn't think I'd be able to keep that up. And perhaps I didn't want to be accused of any cultural appropriation. So my wife thinks that's funny. You know, whenever we go out, not all the time, but most of the time when we go out, I speak like a Jamaican. At the Jamaican restaurant, I speak like a Jamaican, sort of, you know, the, the waitress always asks me, where are you from? I say, oh, I'm from the island, Jamaica. And so it, it's, and she thinks it's funny every time, right? And sometimes I'll switch it up to an African accent, you know, but uh, just to keep it interesting. <laughs> but, um, but speaking of consumerism and the driven, consumerism driven false culture, which is better called an anti-culture. Anti-culture is um, an organized campaign to replace the traditional idea of culture with the anti-culture of consumerism and idolatry, which poses itself as culture, but is really just a craven and a cannibalistic need to consume things and to replace God with things. The St. Patrick's cultural celebrations, not the Catholic feast days belonging to the liturgy, but the modern Catholic cultural celebrations, oftentimes in some places, is an important icon in the anti-culture movement because I think it perfectly demonstrates the insatiable need for evil to corrupt all that is good by turning it into a profit center to satisfy the sin of greed. One clear sign that evil has corrupted what was once good is when pagan symbols are introduced, right? Things such as leprechauns and Easter bunnies, the promotion of a, of a true Catholic culture, the promotion of a true Catholic culture, which we should always be stressing and pushing for should always distinguish itself from the false culture of consumerism and the greedy side of capitalism. So that's something that, you know, I think we should continue to think about and reflect upon. What does the, the promotion of a true Catholic culture look like and how we can always distinguish it from the, the consumerism culture? But the expectation, um, I think, is never, in essence, I think the, the, the expectation is never to escape evil in this world, right? 
I think that the pursuit of escaping evil always leads to a new evil. But I understand and I sympathize with people who are just, you know, they get tired of hearing nothing good and all evil, especially today with with everything um, these governments are doing around the world to people and and using a contagious but largely survivable virus as an excuse to promote eugenics and euthanasia. In response to this, I recently heard a, a visiting priest um, at our parish opine during his homily that what people need to do in response to them feeling miserable about everything they were hearing on the news is just to turn off the TV and the social media and to turn off the radio and basically stop consuming all the bad news. Attempts to escape evil always leads to a new evil. And oftentimes that evil is called apathy. To make ourselves ignorant of the world inevitably leads to making ourselves apathetic about what's going on in the world. It makes us selfish by not caring. Jesus said, bless those who mourn, not bless those who do not mourn. Jesus, when he, he looked at the coin that was given to him, he did not say, I don't care whose face this is. I don't care whose that face that is on a coin. Brother, he was inquisitive about the world that his father sent him into and said, whose face is that on a coin and to render unto him what belongs to him. To the contrary, the answer to evil is not to run from it, but to respond to it, to bring peace to Christ in a world that needs peace. It's the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. To be part of the show, you can just call in 877-757-9424. Again, that is 877-757-9424. Or you can tweet at me at hashtag DLG on GRN. Again, that's DLG on GRN. Also, you can just comment on the videos we are streaming on the Facebook page. And... Um, on our um, Guadalupe Radio Network page. Cecil Anderson is the producer of the show, and you can see her on Fridays on Back to the Father, Father, and she is the voice you'll hear if you call in. Since Lynn began, I began discussing um, each week about how each each week of Lent is asking a different question that that should provoke us into a deeper and deeper self examination because typically when we're faced with a question how's your Lent going we usually respond in context of how we're doing with what we gave up for Lent right or how we're doing with the prescribed feast days but the liturgical season is really asking us a different question in regards to how's your Lent going the readings for the fourth Sunday of Lent are, are daring us to dig deep and asking a very hard question. The first reading from Second Chronicles this week about how the Israelites were about how the Israelites were practicing all types of infidelity and, and abominations, and how that led to their nation being destroyed and many of them taken into captivity in Babylon. But God inspired the the king King Cyrus of Persia to restore um, their kingdom. And, uh, and encourage many of those Jews or God's people to return home. In a second reading, Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus saying, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God who is rich in mercy brought us to life in Christ. By grace, you have been saved, raised up in him, and God has seated us with him in heaven. The gospel reading was from John chapter 3, verses 14, 14 through 21. 
about how God sent his son, the light of the world to a people who were perishing in darkness. He sent out his, his, he sent us his son, not because of anything uh, we did or anything we merited or worked for, but rather because he loves us. And so the question for this fourth week is a hard one. The question is, have you accepted that God loves you, that he truly loves you in as much as some of your actions he despises? By saying yes to that question, I accept. Not that I believe or that, that, that not that I believe that God loves me and, or not that I believe in God's love for me, but that I accept God's love for me. By saying I accept God's love for me, it makes us responsible for accepting that gift because now we have to do something with it, namely bear the fruits of his love in every aspect of our life. So it is God's love that takes the things that we do that he despises and washes them away so that we are renewed in him. So this renewal is a daily process and it is why we turn to the sacraments over and over again for the grace and the help we need to accept his love. So that is the question this fourth week of Lent. Have we truly accepted are you, have I, have you truly accepted that God loves you in spite of some of the things that you do against him? This is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. To be part of the show, you can just call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that is 877-757-9424. Or you can tweet at me at hashtag DLG on GRN. And that's hashtag DLG on GRN. Also, just comment on video you're, um, if you're watching the stream on Facebook or YouTube. Right after the short break, we will be speaking with Mrs. Janique Stewart, who will be answering your questions about how we should be approaching the subject of chastity and modesty in this unchaste and pornographic anti-culture. Call in if you have a question. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Access to clean water is something we often take for granted. When we turn on a faucet, out pours clean water that's safe for drinking. But that's not true in countries like Kenya, where the number one cause of child mortality is from drinking contaminated water. Together, we can change that. Cross Catholic Outreach works with local Catholic partners around the world to transform the lives of families living in poverty. Join this mission at crosscatholic.org bless. Next week, we will be hosting our quarterly share on Tuesday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time. 
The GRN is 100% listener supported and for only 16 days out of the year, you have the opportunity to be an active part of the GRN family by making a pledge of support for your radio station. Please pray for the success of the Sherathon. We are so very thankful that you are part of the Lord's divine providence, sharing of your prayers and financial gifts, which sustain the work of evangelization through the powerful means of radio. I invite you to tune in and join us next week as we share how Catholic Radio has changed so many lives for all eternity due to your support to keep your station on the air. This is Len Oswald, President of the Guadalupe Radio Network, with your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic Radio, radio for your soul. A radio network. Today, um, as you know, it is Pro-Life Wednesday on David O'Gray show and I have one of my favorite people in the world in the studio. That's Miss Janique Stewart. She is the, um, she's an apologist at, um, oh, Janique, you're on, a, you're on a show. I think I lost my notes. Could you introduce yourself for a moment? this afternoon. Hey, Janique. Yeah, so as you said, I'm Janique Stewart. I'm with the Life Training Institute as a pro-life apologist, and then I also have my own ministry called Love Protects, which is taken from 1 Corinthians 13, 7 that says love always protects, where I kind of bridge that conversation to help people understand the importance of sexual integrity and holy sexuality and all also making a defense for natural marriage and natural sexuality as well. You know, you just introduce yourself far better than I've ever introduced you in our whole time of oh, knowing no. each other. So I appreciate that. And also, um, you know, so Janique has been on the show a few times and I also like to announce that pretty soon we'll be having, we'll be doing a, a podcast together. Um, so I know some of you guys yeah. like the, the, the work we've done on commenting on, different shows and talking about how those intersect with how we should be thinking about things as Christians. So we're doing a podcast in the future, just talking exclusively about Hollywood, the culture, Hollywood culture versus holiness. So I know we're both looking forward to that. Yes, absolutely. I'm very excited about that. So, yeah. Um, so today we got a lot of questions. Um, hopefully we'll get to some of them. So I had put out there that you were going to be on a show and some of the things that people wanted to hear about concerning um, life issues on this pro-life Wednesday. And so yeah. one, one common thing that a theme that I saw a lot of people asking was just about the subject of, of chastity and, and modesty and pornography. And so, and I know you've done a lot of work in that area with your ministry, Life Protects. I mean, you've been doing that for, what, over a decade now, at least, right? Yeah. And, yes, um, absolutely. So can you introduce us to the topic in general and just form how some of the issues and how we should be thinking about that? And we'll get to some of the other questions. Sure. Well, I really, I, I love actually talking about the value of the sexual integrity and even modesty and even how it relates to pornography, because I don't think that people realize how they're all linked together. But I think one of the questions I like to ask people or challenge us to think is, why does God call us to sexual integrity? And I actually would like to make a distinction. Most of the time, people think 
sexual chastity or sexual purity or integrity, that that's only for single people. But the reality is it's for every single human being, regardless if they're single or married. Now, of course, it's going to be a distinction, but let me clarify what that is. All of us are called, most importantly, to holy sexuality, which means if you're married, you're called to be faithful within that marital covenant. It's a covenant that you've made before God. I think in our current society today, people have almost watered down. And I think even with the redefinition of marriage, when you continue to redefine marriage to mean anything, it essentially means nothing. And today, most people tend to view marriage as simply a piece of paper or just a contract, but it's so much more in the eyes of God, because marriage between a man and a woman is supposed to reflect the very glory of God. But if we're talking about even sexual integrity before God, married people are called to sexual purity as well, which means they're only to be sexually active only with that individual. So that means that eliminates porn within marriage. Now for the single person, that also means we're called to sexual purity and chastity as well, but it's going to look a little different in that we're not called to have any sexual activity outside of that marital union between a man and a woman. And of course, that also includes saying no to pornography and anything that's going to treat sex as if it is something that is just a commodity, as if sex is something that is just for pleasure and self-gratification rather than the un- the unifying nature of what sex is supposed to be in marriage, that one flesh union. So I think if we kind of lay that as the foundation that there is a specific purpose and function for sex, and we know that the place for sex is within a marital union between a man and a woman, so one man, one woman, a one flesh union for one lifetime. That, that is God's protection for sexual intimacy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How do you respond to people who would say, well, my wife and I, uh, we watch pornography together and it helps us? So I guess the first question that I would ask, I would actually kind of push back. I don't believe that God is going to bless unblessable behavior. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that God is ever going to bless something that is not honored and glorified by God. So when people say that it helps us, number one, I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I think that's a lie. I think that's what they're using as a justification for looking at porn. But I do not believe that that actually helps them now. One other aspect to this, even if they're saying that it does help them for, let's say, pleasure reasons, there's something unhealthy that is actually going on for them to actually have to look at other people engaging in sexual activity to, so to speak, be aroused or turned on. There's something that's already broken there, and you do not fix broken things by continuing to use a broken down system. I'm, I'm mm. sorry, but... I I mean, we have to kind of deal with truth. And if you have to look at pornography to excite yourself to be with your husband or wife, there is already something broken. And we have to remember, just as Scripture tells us, that whatever it is that you plant, you will one day reap that. There will be a harvest. You cannot sow seed of sexual perversion and expect there to be good fruit for that. 
I'm sorry, a good tree will not produce bad fruit and a bad tree is not going to produce good fruit. So again, I think because of the pornification of our culture, people have convinced themselves that they need to look at porn. But I do not believe that number one, that it certainly is not God's best for them. And I really don't believe that deep down inside, that that's really what they need to actually help them. Like I said, I think there's something broken and I think that they need to get to the root of that issue. Yeah, it's, and, and it's so pervasive. I mean, sometimes I think we think of pornography as, I know people do this all the time, they think of it as some sort of private affairs, just me by myself. And we could talk more about that, how sin does affect, it's not just about you, right? Sin affects God, mm-hmm. it, it affects community, it offends God, and it, it damages you, which means you're not able to be the person God has called you to be. But also, it's um, a, a lot of people are, are participating in this pornographic culture as couples, right? Married. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so I appreciate you, you making that distinction about how, and, and also how it's a participation in an act of evil because the people who are, are um, engaged in this, this act of adultery on a TV screen or whatever, they're not married, right? Oftentimes they're, they're no. not married. So it's a, no. well, it's a celebration of that sin by watching it, but also it's participation in their evil, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I definitely believe that because you're condoning that activity. But I also think that we have to think a little deeper than just that aspect. Let's think about that means you are engaging in sexual activity by looking at other people engaging in sex. There is something incredibly adulterous about that. Furthermore, you're no longer really responding to your husband or your wife. You're technically being aroused by someone else. And so I'm not sure how someone would think, oh, this is actually helping my marriage. No, it's actually not. Furthermore, you're not really even engaging in intimacy just with your husband or wife. You're engaging in this so-called intimacy now with other people that are on a screen that you don't even know. And even if you did know them, that is not God's intended design for intimacy. So one of the things that I need to really kind of clarify is that I think people may not understand that porn ultimately cheapens sex. It cheapens sex, and it also objectifies the individuals involved. When people are looking at pornography, oftentimes they're not looking at a whole person in honor. They're looking at a person objectifying them, looking at their body parts as an object of lust. Mm. So the opposite of love is ultimately lust. You're not looking at them with honor. You're looking at them as a lustful object. So that objectifies the individual, and it ultimately cheapens sex. I also think it's important to remember, too, that porn, whether people are looking at it as a couple or not, it still is a very selfish act. Because if you're looking at that mainly for your self-gratification, and even, again, as I was saying earlier, you're not really being, you're not responding or being aroused by your husband or wife. You are by the people that are on the screen. So again, that adulterous aspect is there simply because of the very nature of porn. But there's another aspect that people sometimes get very upset whenever I'm speaking at conferences on this issue, when I help them understand, according to the FBI's own statistics, porn 
is directly related to human trafficking. In fact, a lot of times what people are watching with corn is what prostitution and sometimes even human trafficking caught on film. And if you ask the average person, do they believe human trafficking is wrong? Many of them will say, oh, absolutely, that's evil. Yet they have no problem looking at porn, which oftentimes is prostitution called on film. I've never heard anyone say, oh, wow, prostitution, that's just so attractive. No. No, when's the last time you heard anyone say that prostitution is attractive, that that's what they aspire to? No. But that's the reality, according to FBI's own statistics, that porn directly is related to prostitution and human trafficking. So when people are looking at this porn, so that means they're also then engaging in sexual activity where they're actually being aroused by the destructive nature of prostitution and human trafficking, which treats human beings as commodities and sexual objects. I'm sorry, but I don't believe that is God's intended design for sexuality. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea about that statistic. I mean, I knew it was connected in some ways, in some places to human trafficking, right? Um, that's obvious, but I had no idea that it was that that pervasive. That's amazing. Thanks for that that information there. And so we're speaking with this. Absolutely. Oh, there's one, one, just one last thing that I also want to point out. <laughs> when I lived in South Florida, I did actually work with a gentleman who was a police officer, but he worked in the department that actually dealt with human trafficking and even sexual abuse. And one thing he said, you know, again, working with the FBI, he said, listen, he's like, Janique, I don't think people understand that not only when you look at porn, are you obviously excited or aroused by it? He's like, but the reality is, again, the FBI's own statistics and data reflect that not only do people want to act out what they're seeing on screen, but there's a direct correlation between porn and sexual violence. When you look at our current society today and you turn on the news and you're hearing a lot of the stories about sexual violence against women and children, what was the genesis of that? Like I was saying earlier, you cannot plant seeds and not expect there to be a harvest at some point. Porn always produces some form of perversion later on down the road. And one of those is sexual violence against women and children. So if we're really going to have an honest conversation about porn, we have to ask ourselves, what am I pouring into my body? When I'm looking at that on the screen, it's not just looking at it. Whatever we look at, it it enters our body, so to speak. And therefore, we're having a reaction, and it's the way that we view the world. It completely impacts our worldview and the way we see not only sexuality, but it even impacts the way we value human beings. And we begin to see women and children as sexual objects whose purpose is solely to gratify your sexual pleasure. And that results in the diminished value and treatment of women and children. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for that. We're speaking with Ms. Janique Stewart, who's the executive director of Love Protects and a pro-life speaker and apologist at Life Training Institutes. Um, you can, we have links to her work and where you can find her on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. And we'll, we're coming upon on a, on a break in about two minutes here. But we're spending, we spent this first half of the show talking about pornography, the impacts of it and how it's dangerous. But Janique, um, 
and I hear from a lot of men, right, who uh, it's easy for a lot of men to fall into the habit, at least I know with men, the habit of um, masturbation, which is connected to pornography. I don't think a lot of men are just watching uh-huh. pornography and not having some sort of ends to that, right? Um, uh-huh. So in, in, in that way, because it, it, it gets connected to pleasure, it becomes very habitual and it becomes a habit very fast. Mm-hmm. What are, um, do women struggle also struggle in this way with pornography? Yes, but it's, it's a different form of pornography. Okay. So yes, some women do look at, I guess it would be the porn sites or the type of classic porn that most people tend to think of. Okay. But there is also modern pornography that women are more prone to, such as the romance novels and books. Now, case in point, oh, okay. I don't know if you recall, remember when there was a series of movies that came out about Fifty Shades of Grey? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so that, that was also a book as well. And I was surprised when I actually looked at the data that was coming out about those. And even girls as young as high school were reading those books, which are, it's called sexual eroticism books, but that is a form of pornography. So it's more the fantasy of the mind. And so they might not be looking at the classic, what one would refer to as classic pornography. But when you're looking at sexual eroticism in terms of literature, that still is a form of pornography. And of course, those films were also, Uh, pornographic in nature as well so i think that yes women do struggle with that and even when it comes to self-sex or masturbation we know that it's no longer just men there are a lot of women who also um, struggle with that addiction as well and i think even when we're talking and we're looking at statistics even with those in the faith community george barna with a josh mcdowell ministry when they did actually a poll what they found was that even teens and young adults they're also heavily influenced by pornography that nine out of 10 young men ages 13 to 24 say that they talk about porn with their friends on a regular basis. They encourage it, they accept it and they find it morally neutral. That means if you find it as morally neutral, that means you do not view it as wrong whatsoever. And even when they looked at from a morality perspective as to where do you rank this in terms of it being wrong or being bad? When they rank different things, including even recycling, would you believe that most young people thought not recycling was worse than actually looking at pornography? They rank that as a higher sin, the whole issue of not recycling. So if you don't recycle, that's a, you're a horrible person. But hey, <laughs> it's okay if you look at porn. Go you, you do you, but you better recycle. That's kind of crazy. That's unfortunate. But that's where we are in our society that a lot of people just do not view it as wrong. And part of it is because it has been attached to that pleasure aspect. And we also live in in a culture that's all about self-gratification rather than delayed gratification. So whenever you couch anything in that pleasure aspect, and we have a society that says, hey, it's all about pleasure, then of course people are going to give in to that, including women. So it isn't just uh, independent of women. Women also struggle with that as well. And we see more and more um, 
not only television shows, but even when you look at the music industry, um, I mean, there's people such as like Nicki Minaj and um, I can't think of the other, the other girl's name, but she was a, she was formerly a stripper. Oh, Cardi B. So all these people, yeah, that Megan kind of Stallion, all these people. That, yeah. Yes. So, they provoke yeah. that overt sexuality. And some of them even talk very explicitly about engaging in self sex. So yeah. I think now we have, not only a generation of people raised to believe that it's acceptable and normal, but even part of the women's movement, if we're being honest, is almost coming into this and, and hijacking it and saying they're hijacking feminism because true feminism was against all of that. But this new modern day view of feminism encourages self-sex. In yeah, let's pause it right there so, for a moment before we get into yeah. a new subject. So I'm talking with Miss uh, Janique Stewart, executive director of Love Protects and a pro-life speaker at and apologists at Life Training Institute and we'll be we're going to take a quick two minute break and we'll be right back and we'll continue this conversation with Janique who's answering your questions about the value of chastity in an unchaste culture. This is David O'Gray Show on Guadalupe Radio Network. to clean water is something we often take for granted. When we turn on a faucet, out pours clean water that's safe for drinking. But that's not true in countries like Kenya, where the number one cause of child mortality is from drinking contaminated water. Together, we can change that. Cross Catholic Outreach works with local Catholic partners around the world to transform the lives of families living in poverty. Join this mission at crosscatholic.org bless. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason, but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back in to the David R. Gary Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. So today we're, it is Pro-Life Wednesday, so we have Ms. Janique Stewart back. Um, she is an executive director of Law Protects and a pro-life speaker and apologist at Life Training Institute. 
you can find her online by just either just typing in her name is Janique Stewart on in your search browser. Also, you can go visit loveprotects.com. That is loveprotects.com. And also prolifetraining.com. That is prolifetraining.com. You can find out everything about what she's doing. Um, and if you type in her name on, 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 um, on Google or whatever, you may bump into her, what is the pin interest page? Janique, I was doing that and I bumped into your page and you have like a lot of, you have like a catalog of how to dress chastely. How did you get in, involved in, in, in dressing modestly? Oh, wow. Well, it actually started in, in college when I didn't even know you were already asking this, but that's okay. It actually started when I was in college and at the time I was Miss Southern Illinois and I was speaking about sexual integrity and the pro-life issue and I ended up winning up a modeling contract as well. And when I had that modeling contract, David, that is when I was faced with a responsibility that either as a believer, as someone who was committed to the Lord, how I dress is also a reflection of my faith. And I remember specifically, like even when I would go on speaking engagements, people are looking at me to see not just what I'm wearing in terms of labels, but does what I say line up with actually who I am? Mm. And so that was the first time that I really began to understand the importance of dressing in a way where people see me not see parts of my body. And so even when we're dealing with the modesty issue, modesty, contrary to what most people believe, modesty is a celebration, David, of the human body, in that it's a statement of honor and respect as opposed to hiding or covering the body up out of shame. Because okay. modesty values the human body as opposed to the objectification of it. And so that's really how we got started for me was making sure that women can see that, listen, you can be fashionable, but just because a certain style is in fashion doesn't mean it should be in fashion, and it doesn't mean I have to wear that fashion. It means we have to be selective, but ultimately I want clothes to honor my body and honor the form of femininity i don't want it to detract from my message i actually want it to honor the message that i'm presenting and so that's how i really kind of got started with that yeah that, that's a really great conversation you have to explore more of that later and um but i tell you i have to be honest with you janique it's um you know for a guy like me who goes to the gym at least three four days a week and um and if you see me at the gym, you'll think I may be vain or something like that because I'm, I'm always looking at myself in the mirror. But I feel like I have to <laughs> look at myself in the mirror because if I look mm -hmm. around other places, the women in there are basically naked or they're wearing things so tight and so mm -hmm. revealing. It's it's as tough as as a guy who wants to police his eyes, right, and not be sure. drawn into lust. It is it is tough out here. I mean, what 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 do you have to oh, say? Right. What, I mean, what 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 but um, talk a little bit about that. Like, so, so I want you to talk about if a, if a person is going to go to the gym and I think uh -huh. perhaps there's a lot of pressure on some women maybe to wear type, certain types of leggings or whatever. What are some talking points that you, you would give to young ladies or young men about, about that? 
Well, first and foremost, I would say that it's a heart condition, meaning it's not just a skin condition in terms of I'm showing off all my skin. More importantly, it's a sin condition. You have to regulate your heart. And, and this is modesty is not just for women. It's for men and women. I mean, I'm sure we've all seen, seen males walk around and you're like, wow, could your top be any smaller? It looks like <laughs> you stole that from your little brother. And he's like hiding in the closet with no shirt on. You know? <laughs> I mean, for real. <laughs> it's not just women. Sometimes I struggle with it. It's guys too. And so yeah. ultimately, the first question, whenever we're shopping, because most people, very few people, will buy something and never try it on before wearing it. Now, it may happen from time to time, but for the most part, you know what that's going to look like. And most people do have a mirror somewhere in their home. So most people are not getting dressed in the dark, having no concept of what it is that they're putting on. So that's why I said it really is a heart issue to say, wait a minute, what am I trying? What statement am I trying to make with this outfit? Am I trying to be lovely or am I trying to be sexy? Those are two different things. I do not need to be sexy for anyone other than my husband. I'm not married right now, so I don't need to be sexy or sexual for someone. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there is a mm-hmm. distinction that we have to do. I call it a checkup from the neck up. Like we have to stop and think, why am I gravitating towards these clothes? Is it because I know I'm going to get attention? Mm-hmm. Now, let's be honest. There's different types of attention. There's good attention where people can acknowledge, wow, that's an attractive woman. And then there is that attention where the whole focus is, again, on the objectification now of your body where you're just showing off certain parts of your body. You've, we've all seen people who walk in a room and there's something so classy and elegant and lovely about that individual, male or female. They look so well put together. We've also seen the opposite where people look like they just rolled out of bed and whatever they're wearing. And then we've also seen the individual that, they think they probably look really phenomenal and great, mm-hmm. but the whole attention is look at my body versus look at me. The elegant, the classy individual, whatever they put on, in the end, it embodies and it's always going to honor them. So, it, so the question is, is this going to ultimately bring attention to my body or is it just bringing attention to me as a human being, as a valuable human being. And there's a difference. The attention focused on your body now is the objectification. But if we're looking at, oh, this actually builds up the person where you you see that person as well put together, classy, professional, lovely, that is what we always want to project. And again, like I said, that is not solely for the woman is for men and women because we are in a very cosmetic society and a very materialistic society where a lot of times people think it's about labels. It's not about that. In the end, I don't care how much it costs. The question is, is the individual, when people look at me, what are they seeing? And more importantly, why am I gravitating towards these clothes? And what is it that I want people to say about me? That's an awesome point. My friend Patrick Coffin, he has this kind of abrupt way of talking about um, masturbation. He just just kind of abruptly calls it gay. 
because the man is um, um, looking at other men, right? Um, and he's getting pleasure out of that when it comes to pornography. That's kind of a abrupt way to start the conversation, you know, looking at his, oh, that's kind of like, well, that's a little bit, that's like a homosexual action, you know, and you're playing with yourself. But when you were talking mm -hmm. about the man at the gym, I was thinking about mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, I, I think men, if we wear something tight or a muscle shirt or something like that, like you said, if you have ominous conversations with yourself, honest conversations, mm -hmm. a lot of guys, we, they would dress in these shirts kind of sh to show other men, Hey, I'm working out. I got some big muscles, but let's, and then uh -huh. when we dig into that conversation, the, the honest conversation, like, why do I want to show off my man, my body to another man? What am I trying to impress another man for with my body? So that's, I love the way that you, <laughs> that you brought that out. I never, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to wear sweatshirts to the gym from now on. I just am. Well, so. <laughs> I think everything in moderation. I understand that sometimes, like, from my understanding, having spoken with personal trainers, that the reason that oftentimes in a gym they will suggest wearing some form-fitting clothes is so that you can see the shape of your muscles if you're doing something correctly, incorrectly, and you will also see the growth over time. But there's a significant difference between wearing something that might be a little form-fitting and wearing things that are just blatantly inappropriate but here's where i'll actually say that i think there's just as much of a problem when's the last time you were on instagram okay if you're on instagram and you see a lot of these workout channels it is very interesting how much skin and how much sexuality you're seeing but in contrast there are some people who do a very good job of isolating the specific body parts, but they're not sexualizing it. Mm -hmm. We do not have to sexualize the things just because in our culture right now, sex sells. Just mm -hmm. because sex sells does not mean it should sell, and it doesn't mean that we should be buying it. So I'm not going to promote that either. So ultimately, we have to be mindful. And one last thing with regards to that, I always tell people whenever I'm speaking, like I just spoke at a women's conference, and here's what I challenge them with. Whenever you're buying clothes, Whenever you're posting pictures, even on Instagram or Snapchat, Facebook, whatever social media platform you use, the question I have to ask is this. If I'm going to the gym and let's say Jesus was going to be on the treadmill next to me, would I be comfortable running or working out in the outfit that I'm putting on in front of Jesus? If I would have to feel like I'm constantly tweaking and pulling things up and trying to cover things up, then I don't need to put that. I don't need to walk out of the house in that outfit. If I can't work out next to Jesus and not be embarrassed, like, oh, my gosh, everything's falling out in front of Jesus, <laughs> then I probably don't need to be wearing that outfit. And the same yeah. thing with posting. What If Jesus was my friend and he was following me, which he is, he's everywhere, he mm -hmm. sees what we do. So if he was my friend on Facebook or Snapchat or any other social media platform, would I post that picture knowing that Jesus is going to see it? If I would not, if I would be embarrassed, then you know what? I don't need to post that. Same thing with whatever you're watching on the Internet or even some of the movies. Because let's be honest, pornography is not just the overt, oh, let me go look up porn. Porn right. is also in a lot of the shows that people are watching. Like, I have not, I, I can't say that I've actually watched Game of Thrones, but when I've looked at some of the reviews, from my understanding, now, maybe I'm incorrect, and Lord, please forgive me if I am, but I thought that there was an awful lot of 
violence against women and sexual violence against women in shows like Game of Thrones, or yeah, shows like Game of Thrones, where there's an awful lot of even nudity and um, and rape and all kinds of things that unfortunately, yeah. although that still is a form of the sexualization of women in a demeaning manner that's not honoring the gift of sexuality within marriage. So that means I have to watch what it is that I'm even streaming before my eyes. And I think that that's really important. Again, if Jesus was sitting down with you in the living room and you have on Netflix or whatever it is that you watch as a streaming service, would you be embarrassed if Jesus rang the doorbell and was like, hey, guess who's coming over for dinner? What are we watching tonight? (laughs) Would you be embarrassed by what you're watching? If you would be embarrassed by that, then you know what? You need to ask them, why am I watching this? And it's interesting because sometimes they will push people about that with with shows that have a lot of of nudity in it. And what I hear a lot of guys say, yeah, but you know what? It's necessary because men won't watch it without that. And I'm like, I do not believe that, number one. But number two, let's ask ourselves, why do we continue then to make Hollywood rich with movies and film that objectify women and demean our value and where they have no problem dishonoring the human body and the gift of sexuality that God intended to be between a man and a woman. Why am I watching shows that cheapen that and that assault the gift of sexuality? I'm speaking with Mrs. Janique Stewart, the executive director at Love Protects and a pro-life speaker apologist, um, an apologist at Life Training Institute. And we're talking about the value of chastity in an unchaste culture. Having a great conversation here. And we've been speaking mostly about modesty and the value of chastity and how pornography is an attack against both of those good Christian values and dispositions. But Janine, can you bridge the gap between pornography and contraception? Sure, sure. But before I do this, one quick thing. There's two verses I actually want to share. Um, And going back to what you said, and I think that there's something important that you mentioned that when you go to the gym, you're intentional to keep your eyes focused on yourself because of what's out there. There is a biblical uh, concept as to what you're referring to. In Job 31, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at lust on any other woman. Okay, so he was trying to honor God and honor his wife by not looking at women in lust. That's exactly what you're doing. You're honoring your wife. You're honoring God by saying, you know what? I'm and listen, people are going to think that I'm crazy and I'm self-obsessed. I don't care. I'm trying to honor God. Right. So I do think that that is a, a great example of what it means to what we call bounce your eyes. You say, listen, your eyes might drift over because you see something moving in a mirror. You look over, you're like, oh, let me bounce my eyes right back because that's not for me. Right. So I think that, you know, there is scripture to back that up. Like you yeah. said, I made a covenant with my eyes yeah. not to look at less than any other woman. And then Psalm 101.3 says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Mm. So I yeah. think that's important to keep in mind. That is that, that biblical mandate. Now, you were saying about uh, contraception. Is that correct? Yeah, the contraception. Uh, sometimes I think we make a distinction or we don't relate it to um, the, the contraception culture versus the, the pornography culture. How are they 
Mm-hmm. How did the two things connect it? Very good question. Well, there's actually a lot of a connection that I think most people probably miss. But when we think of pornography and we think of how it lowers our inhibitions to sexuality, even when we look at contraception, contraception is actually interesting. There was a study in 2000, in the year 2000, and it was looking at the role that contraception played in promiscuity, because that's what pornography is. Pornography is a celebration of promiscuity, let's be honest. We might not want to admit that, but that's exactly what it is. But, and like I said, people want to act out what it is that they see. Well, in this study, in the year 2000, they said that there was a development that would never have been possible were it not for contraception. 59% of women, again, 59% of women and 78% of men interviewed in that year 2000 study admitted to having had sex with someone they met that very same day. That would not have happened were it not for contraception. So that literally means 60% of women and 80% of the men in that study were engaging in sexual intercourse with people that they met on that very same day. Now, that would not be happening were it not for contraception because contraception, it actually distorts the view of sexuality, but even more importantly, it disorders the purpose of sexuality because we actually have to consider well what is the purpose of sex and where did God design for sex to be we know that he created sex as a covenant as a union between that man and that woman but even when you think about the the term contraception contraception literally means against conception so it's against even the life-giving opportunity you're removing that away completely But the primary function of the family is to ensure the continuation of society. That's one of the purposes of sex is procreation. Pro meaning for the creation of another life. That's what that word procreation means. It means for the creation of another life. And so contraception is against that very whole thing. But I think we also have to remember that the contraceptive view says, I control my family line, not God. It removes God from the equation, and of course it divorces sex from its intended purpose and function, which I think is obviously very problematic, um, because whenever you divorce sex from its intended design and function, well, we have to remember that sex is designed for a marriage between a man and a woman, and the function of sex is that procreation. And so whenever you remove that now, then all you've done is we've reduced sex from being a life-giving function where we create families to being all about pleasure. We've reduced it to nothing but pleasure and not pleasure within marriage, pleasure with whoever I want, when I want, and I don't care about you. I only care about what you can do for my body. That's it. Yeah, but yeah, that's I like the way you you connected those two. I mean, so succinctly that um, and and they're both just all together. I mean, these are attacks on 
marriage, there are attacks on a family, there there are attacks on how God okay. has ordered civilization. You know, one of the, the one of the building blocks of society, right, is is the family. Healthy societies okay. have healthy families with mother and father and healthy relationship uh-huh. and procreating children and, and rearing those children and, and education and, and a faith. And and these just a geez, just these two things we go on and on by another other things that are just attacks a on the family and we had a number of other questions we're not going to be able to get to because we just have a minute left, but that's what these are these are just attacks a on God and attacks on the family right? Yes, because it actually contraception views children as burdens. The Bible says that children are a blessing before the Lord. The contraceptive view says that children are burdens. Contraception also influences us to see children as objects that we can dispose of. In fact, some contraceptives, they're actually abortifacient in nature, meaning they cause abortions or what we would call an early stage abortion. So again, contraception is not just about preventing it. Even if pregnancy does occur, we're going to kill that human being because we see human beings as disposable and dispensable. And that is an assault on the dignity of what it means to be human. You've been listening to the David L. Gray Show, Guadalupe Ray Network with Ms. Janique Stewart, the Executive Director of Love Protects and Pro-Life Speaker and Apologist of Life Training Institute. We'll be back for another Pro-Life Wednesday in a few weeks. And next week I'm off because... It's the share thon on Guadalupe Ray Network. Um, so make sure you tune in for that. But in two weeks, same time, same place, I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, in the meantime, you can visit me at davidlgray.info. But until then, and until next time, remember that Jesus truly does love you and is truly there for you. So live your life like salvation matters. And may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you. The goal of the Great Men program is to have a powerfully engaged man in every home in North Texas. All men.